brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss, so become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Here we go, people. Another day of doing the thing from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood. And for as long as we've been trying to hold the elite accountable, uncover all the secret sagas of history, and just generally shine a light in the darkness, the real lesson has been just how complex, tangled, and multi-layered these groups, think tanks, secret societies, elite cabals, black nobilities, and shadow governments really are. We have guests who research the influence of the Freemasons, others with their eye on the Jesuits, some who point the finger at Skull and Bones, and a few that focus on the Khazarian Cabal of Money Magicians. Folks, at this point, I just say they're all listed in the recipe for the real Game of Thrones soup that is the human story. And while these groups we know are often separated by large swaths of time and or space, there are many ideological ties that bind. A deep use of the esoteric arts, ritual sacrifice, the worship of strange gods, a disdain for the common folk, and an abusive top-down control structure that most likely nobody asked for. Well, Mr. Peabody can pop that time machine into nearly any era and find at least some shadowy organization utilizing a lot of these tools. And yes, there are many threads on the conspiracy cardigan, and as confusing as it can get, who better to stitch them all together than an ex-New York fashion designer? Well, that is what we got with today's guest, Dylan Lewis Monroe, a well-respected artist with an impressive resume. When he played the conventional game, he played it well as he worked with some of the biggest overpriced brands in culture during his seven successful years in the New York fashion scene, but has since turned his talents to exposing the soft underbelly of the big conspiracy with what he calls the Deep State Mapping Project, where he creates incredibly detailed and artistic infographics like his Cult of Baal map, which details the elite's secret religion and the culty side of the power pyramid from Babylon all the way up to the bastards of Washington, D.C., his Healing Web, a current work in progress that provides a guide to holistic and allopathic medicine, and the crown jewel of his deep state mapping project info art empire, the Q-Web, which has to be the most detailed diagram of everything they don't want you to know that I've ever seen. It went viral across the net last year, riding the wave of Q culture and even being published by the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So let's do what we do best and dive into it. The accomplished artist awakening the sleeping masses one poster at a time, Dylan Lewis Monroe. Welcome to the higher side. 
Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And thanks for the most accurate introduction I've heard so far, because <laughs> the QWeb has a lot of names that's going by on the web. Some people call it the Deep State Map, the Deep State Web, the Q Map. I call it the QWeb. I'm okay with the Q Map, but I don't want to claim that it is the Q Map QAnon referred to back in November. So fair. It is an independent work. Yes. Yes. And I am so impressed with these pieces you've done. They really do put a conspiratorial encyclopedia's worth of information on a single page. This is exactly the kind of thing I love, a nexus of high art, entertainment, and real information, obviously a crossroads I like to live in in audio form. But let's try to give the people a mental picture of what we're talking about in case they haven't seen it. Clearly, you have a few different pieces but they follow somewhat of a similar template. What would you say as an overview of the Deep State Mapping Project and the art within it? It's artwork about conspiracies, really. It was mainly inspired. I have a book of diagrams. It's kind of like from the 1980s or something. It was really beautiful, you know, rainbow-colored diagrams. And I've always found a beauty in diagrams themselves. So I kind of wanted to focus on that. I mean, the project was originally supposed to include maybe like some portraits of presidents. And, you know, I did like a logo for Trump early on. So stuff like that, that sort of like relates to the theme, but not necessarily as much complexity. But the hyper complex, I like to call them actually hyper sigils. These diagrams that are, you know, a full encyclopedia on a page have really been the thing that took off. So I'm, that's what I'm kind of rolling with. <laughs> mm -hmm. That seems to be what people like the best. And it seems to be the most useful way to use art in this setting. So it's working well so far. And like you said, I'm working on this new healing web that's definitely going to continue the tradition of really sticking it to the man. And I think that that healing web is going to make Big Pharma want to come after me even more than <laughs> anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful poking these bears. But let's talk about this QWeb piece a bit in particular. By title alone, I was initially more intrigued by the cult of ball map because I do kind of try to keep the Q stuff at arm's length usually, but this does seem to be the masterwork, so to speak. It starts with Atlantis, hits the Great Flood, the creation of the three major religions, the rise and fall of every empire, the wars and false flags throughout history, every think tank and covert project you've ever heard of, the big pharma corporations, as you mentioned, tech giants, CERN, like literally everything. I'm just looking at it here. I could go all day. Well, you know, don't attach it to Q too much because when I first shared this, I just said, this is a thinking web I've been working on. And then, you know, everyone came back and assumed it was the Q map. And so then I decided to name it the Q web, you know, since it was related, but really only the first few points I threw on there were stuff that QAnon had actually leaked or talked about, mm -hmm. which was originally some of the Saudi princess stuff. And then just for myself, you know, I knew I wanted to be a timeline. I wanted to be a full page. So I threw it all the way back to like the pyramids of Egypt and that ancient aliens type stuff. And then I had to fill in everything in between. <laughs> so, you know, the 20th century is really all about the CIA, what's been declassified. And then before the 20th century, I actually had to do a lot of catch up work to really fill in the timeline that I wanted to keep track of through that, which is basically Western civilization and, you know, the secret societies, which went from the pharaohs to the Templars to the Vatican, well, not in that order, but then the Jesuits to the Freemasons and following, you know, that's what became the cult of Belmap is basically the pre 20th century part of the Q web. Yes. And I'm glad you said that because it doesn't need to be all wrapped up in the Q stuff. And 
Like I try to say with some of these Q people, look, hey, to generally agree with you on everything from 12,000 BC to 2016 is not bad. (laughs) Maybe we have some differences about the last couple of years, but we're 99% of the way there. So it's kind of just arbitrary. But the background, the the real structure of this whole thing, yeah, we all are going to be in agreement here. And this thing, just so people can get an idea of it, I mean, do you even know exactly how many items are included? It's got to be several hundred, right? You know what? I don't know the actual final count. I do have a Word document that I have all my research and terms on there, but it's actually more information that's not on the Q-Web that is actually on it because I sort of, the Q-Web didn't really have a draft before or like a handwritten version. It actually started as the original digital file, you know, with me just throwing these words and arrows on here. And of course, when I started it, I didn't know it was going to go viral and get so much attention. So everything was spelled wrong, (laughs) (laughs) which I had to go back and edit that over like the next six months after I realized how popular it had become. So yeah, I don't have an actual word count. And I've gotten several requests for like a list form of the Q-Web. And it's not something I've gotten the time to do yet. But eventually, that would be a good idea. Yeah, man. I mean, I just tried myself earlier before we started this interview counting up like, okay, here's 10 things and here's 25 and then take four of these clusters. That'd be about 100. And I mean, there's got to be 500 items on this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper from Atlantis all the way up to the current administration. Pretty impressive. And to give people uh, a little bit more insight into how detailed it all is, you have given at least one five hour interview on just this one map, right? Yeah, and it didn't even hit every point. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy. And it's funny because I did have a similar idea a while back when I was working with some great t-shirt artists to try to make this huge conspiratorial timeline poster, mainly to supplement my own stoner memory. (laughs) And as I got into the details, it all sort of unraveled because it was really hard to settle on specifics, what to include, where to start, all that stuff. So I can only assume the research involved to get all this right had to be exhaustive. Can you talk to us about that process and the resources that you did use to sift through all the different opinions that exist out there? You know, surprisingly, for the 20th century, it was more easy than I expected, because just when you take all the main conspiracies that you've heard about, they all basically relate back to the intelligence agencies. And then most of the main ones you've heard about actually make sense together and they connect, you know, like randomly, you know, Jean Benet connects to Lockheed Martin in a way. And obviously, like the whole progression of like George W. Bush, the next President Bush, it is all kind of connected. And one of the things I say on the back of the QWeb PDF that's sort of like the main paragraph about what I want people to know about it is that there are so many more connections that could be made that are not drawn on the map just for the sake of maintaining the legibility of the text. Mm-hmm. And almost everything in the 20th century could probably have an arrow going back to the CIA because it's been either caused by that or suppressed in some way. Right, right. So the CIA is the biggest term on the map because <laughs> everything kind of goes back to that. Well, CIA, MI6, and Mossad. It's like just intelligence agencies have been sort of running the world for the whole 20th century. And now it got more complicated before the 20th century, but that's why I did the whole other diagram to figure that out for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I assume the further you go back, the more liberties you have to take, the broader the brushstrokes have to be. Yeah, I would say the main thing that I didn't include because it contradicted other conspiracies would be Flat Earth, which I'm not a Flat Earther, I'll just say it outright, but I'm not totally opposed to it. 
I'm open to any idea, but the proofs I've seen for flat Earth usually end up going back to the Bible somehow, or you know, physics that's only considering part of the equation. So that's not on here. But <laughs> you know, most of these conspiracies they really don't contradict each other. Oddly. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree with you there, and it's kind of a parallel to the way I look at the Q stuff. We agree on 95% of the deceptions. There's just this one thing at the top of your deception pyramid that I think is going too far. Trump's a good guy or the earth is flat. But <laughs> to believe the earth is flat, I mean, you got to believe everything else. And so that's where I try to find that common ground. But just to step back a minute, you used John Bonet being connected to Lockheed Martin as a random example. <laughs> Can you explain to listeners who might not get that connection what that connection would be? Her father was involved with, I think it was like a graphic company that was purchased by Lockheed Martin around the time of her death. So her father was getting all these big promotions and entering into the military industrial complex around the time of her death. So if you know anything about the bloodlines of the Illuminati, that's the ripe time for a child sacrifice. <laughs> Wow, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it is weird how, of course, we never have the absolute smoking gun, but you can apply a template to these sorts of situations. It also comes up with the people who are picked to be the patsies for false flags, like Adam Lanza. His dad, I believe, was involved in the LIBOR scandal to a degree. I think he was actually speaking out about it. So when you find these people that seem to be picked out of obscurity, Surprise, surprise, parents are involved in some kind of nefarious corporation that we all know about or some kind of banking situation. Like, it's always the mix. Well, in that MK Ultra area, some of them share either common psychiatrists oh, or, yeah. you know, a psychiatrist that will maybe change his name and move to a different state. And he's actually just a CIA agent, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's making an assumption. So I try not to have too many assumptions on the Q web. I try to have it be at least maybe. I would say 50% probability of accuracy, maybe more than that. I mean, it really depends. Like I almost wanted to do a version of this where I assign like a percentage of probability to every single term as to the accuracy. <laughs> but it's like, it's really intended for people to sort of delve into it on their own and, you know, use their own intuition and research to decipher themselves what they feel is accurate. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you can't be the end all be all to everything, but What's I think so awesome about it is you'll go down here and you'll know 80% of this stuff if you have been in the conspiracy world for a while. A lot of it you won't. You'll be like, huh, what's that? And we all have the internet. You can just search for these terms. So it's a beautiful thing, man. And I do agree with you that behaviorists and psychiatrists, there's a network out there that is feeding a pipeline of damaged people, of vulnerable people right into the big machine. And that's so, so dark, but it's out there. Yeah, they've got the MKUltra down to a very pure science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there that do crazy things, but it doesn't make international headlines. So when you see someone do something crazy that makes international headlines, that's when you know there's a higher probability that this wasn't just one person going crazy and deciding to do something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When there's a whole mass media effort behind it, you know that it's sort of been sanctioned by the Illuminati. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And like you mentioned with the John Bonet Lockheed example, I mean, there's got to be at least a hundred of those little strange connections that are under the radar on this thing. Can you talk to us about 
something that you discovered that really surprised you that you didn't know when you started something beyond the 101 conspiracy kind of stuff? The major one that I didn't know about was the Jesuits when I started this. And it wasn't before I released the Q-Web, but I had started sharing some conspiracy-related memes and then actually just got a tip from someone on Instagram, like, dude, like, haven't you heard about, like, the Jesuits and the Black Pope? Like, where does the Black Pope come into this? Because the Black Pope is part of the whole Jesuits rule above the Vatican theory. And so I, you know, I looked into them, and I don't even think I really knew the word Jesuits before. It's kind of embarrassing, but, you know, I've learned so much in the past year. It's the Great Awakening, you know, and I'm even learning stuff myself, so... That was really fascinating to learn about. And, you know, there are actually several books from a conspiratorial perspective about the Jesuits you can look up on Amazon that just tell you about how they've assassinated popes and monarchs and just, you know, really were sort of like the founders of even like globalism. They facilitated the first transnational corporation, which was the Dutch East India Company. Yeah, they're major. <laughs> to learn about them was a major jump in my understanding of this whole conspiracy master conspiracy. Yes, indeed. And I know that you have said you used Wikipedia quite a bit, which is a valuable resource from time to time. I mean, I do think it's slanted anti-conspiracy, but you would be surprised what you can find when you dig. But I am curious, are there certain books that you used for reference along the way? Yeah, there are a handful of books that are actually even written on the Q-Web. I mean, I've owned Behold the Pale Horse by Bill Cooper, which I consider to be like the conspiracy Bible. <laughs> I've owned that mm -hmm. for at least, you know, 10 years or so, but I didn't actually read it until like the year before I did this map. So that's a really important one. I think David Icke's book, I haven't read that either, but The Biggest Secret, those ideas really contribute to a lot of what's on here. But then, you know, I did sort of lose track of the Q-Web's actual bibliography because when I was doing the Q-Web, I was kind of doing it for this art project that I didn't think was going anywhere. I didn't think it was going to go viral. So I didn't keep track of the bibliography quite as much. But when I did the Cult of Bale diagram and expanded that whole pre-20th century, which is basically like the top quarter of the page, I did keep track of the bibliography pretty closely. And on my personal website, where I have more information about all these diagrams, I do have a specific bibliography section for the Cult of Baal, which obviously that information can contribute knowledge to the whole 20th century as well. It's all very much interconnected. So definitely check that Cult of Baal page on my personal website, which is dylanlewismonroe.com under art, under Deep State Mapping Project, Cult of Baal, if you want to see the bibliography for that. Right on. And you mentioned some of the religious leadership, the Black Pope and such. You have here in this bubble, Francis Borgia, who was the financer, I guess, behind the Jesuits. Then you have the papal bloodlines, the white pope at the Vatican, the black pope, who is the superior Jesuit general. And then you have the gray pope with some question marks there. I've heard about the white pope and the black pope, but what can you tell us about the gray pope? Well, that's kind of part of what I discovered when someone on Instagram cued me into the Black Pope. You know, when I looked it up, I found that within this theory that the Jesuits are sort of the most powerful group in the world, is the idea that there's a white pope and then above him is the Black Pope and above him is a gray pope, which is someone who doesn't even really have an official title that's publicly known. But he would be someone from Black nobility that's highest ranking behind the scenes. So... That's one theory. And I put question marks there because I'm not sure if it's true. And so, you know, I do put question mark if it sounds plausible, but it's not true. It kind of goes back to the idea of Pindar, you know, on that 
triangular shape in the dead center, sort of just below the middle of the page, is what you would call the power pyramid of the world. And you can find much more detailed diagrams of that if you just Google power pyramid. There's several different variations on it. The word Pindar sort of comes from David Icke's interviews with Arizona Wilder and her definition of who is the most powerful person within the hierarchical structure of Earth. She's saying it's like a reptilian hybrid nobility person. I'm not sure if it would be someone like that or, you know, just a regular nobility or maybe it's even I have above Pindar on the QWeb archon slash Demiurge. So maybe the highest ranking officer on Earth really is like a non-physical entity that's actually controlling a human or like a council of high-ranking nobility. It's all speculation, but seeing how hierarchical the world is, you know, knowing that there's groups of nobility ruled by even smaller groups within groups, it kind of all has to go down to one source, right? So whatever you want to call it or whatever it actually is, you know, physical or even non-physical, it's sort of how you have to understand the power structure must operate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pindar is exactly one of those big things I was going to bring up. You do say that Pindar is defined as he who owns the legal title to Earth. It's a provocative idea. Oftentimes when people interview me on other shows, they say, what's the farthest out thing you believe? And I say, well, that potentially the people at the top of the human pyramid are in contact with something else that isn't human. And that always is like, you know, pretty uh, off the reservation for normal people. But this is exactly, I think, like some of the most provocative material is like, what the hell? And the name Pindar, I don't think I've heard that before. Like you said, it comes from David Icke. But usually I just hear Archons or Yaldabaoth or this kind of stuff. But I think that's very provocative that the elite are in contact with something non-human, maybe even eternal, maybe different pockets of elite reestablish the connection to the same old ethereal entities. Yeah, well, I love that you mentioned Yaldabaoth because that's sort of the next level of thinking about this is you could even kind of consider this role as God in a way or Satan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I did do this meme recently where I was really trying to come up with my personal definition of Pindar, you know, aside from the David Icke one. And you can find that on my Instagram account, Master Conspiracy. It has a picture of Bowser on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I'm not going just by David Icke's definition. It's just kind of trying to put a name on a concept and it has a lot of different variations on what it could be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love it when you google it you get the greek poet which is not what i intended so i just i wanted to make that clear for people <laughs> yes and another little provocative point i see on here that i like that you included is the possibility that barbara bush is alistair crowley's daughter i love that theory Ah, uh, yes. Well, that was actually one of the most difficult arrows to draw without covering a lot of different stuff. So there was an actual arrow from her up to Aleister Crowley on one of the early versions, but I ended up deleting that arrow and just writing Aleister Crowley under her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. But yeah, she won't be missed. <laughs> You're right. And just the way people obsess about these certain occult figures and how they're held in high regard behind the curtain... And I think he got around quite a bit. I would believe that he had quite a few children that might be unregistered, let's say. And uh, potentially that would be why George W. Bush would marry someone who has this front of uh, such a homely housewife, grandmother type of figure when we definitely know that the Bushes aren't that way. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I have theories that some of these first ladies are actually kind of wearing the pants in the presidencies. So really, it's kind of an esoteric theory. But, you know, I've heard this idea a few different places that, you know, our world might look like a patriarchy, but it might be kind of like a secret matriarchy. This is a really esoteric idea. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of strange. It's new to me. Elaborate if you could. Well, with Barbara Bush, you know, she was related to Crowley. So, I mean, President Bush, George Bush, you know, he also had connections to powerful families as well. But, you know, the Crowley connection might indicate that she did have some power within that relationship. And I think, you know, with Bill and Hillary, Hillary was more connected to the Chicago mob, like through her father. And, you know, Bill clearly is not the brightest tool in the shed or brightest bulb in the ceiling. And then you saw Hillary's career develop after that as well. So clearly she, I mean, she always wears pants. It's like she's literally wearing the pants in the relationship. (laughs) You know, I don't know much about Barbara Bush, but I think Melania and Trump, you know, I think Melania is actually playing a bigger role than most people perceive. I kind of see her as like a Pleiadian ambassador possibly, but this is like kind of hopeful thinking. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) other people say that she's just a monarch MK ultra sex slave. So (laughs) yeah, well, we might have a secret sect of husband handlers out there. I guess it is possible. I mean, it's kind of a parallel to the black Pope situation. Yeah. I mean, I kind of got that idea. Another important concept on here that requires some explanation for a lot of people is the Swiss Pharaoh idea. And so that term sort of replaced black nobility at a certain point, I think, in like the spring on the Q-Web, because I got into this YouTuber, Sean Ross, who has a video called The Pharaoh Show, in which he goes around Switzerland, points out all this Masonic and Egyptian symbolism and architecture. And he knows a shitload about history and just really explains why the Swiss are basically like ruling the world at this point. And it's like the most powerful country. You know, a lot of people debate whether the city of London's the most powerful or Geneva or the Vatican or Washington, D.C. I mean, all these places are powerful, but in a way you can see the Swiss as being sort of like the most powerful. It's arguable, though. I mean, I'm not 100 percent on that. But he's kind of the one that said that Swiss culture has a way of. You know, going to war to like murder all the men and then like the women take over. I'm having trouble describing it, you know, right now, but. Is that theory of the secret matriarchy that he sort of opened my mind up to the possibility of. Hmm. Provocative. I mean, layers within layers, it's really hard to know. So I wouldn't be surprised that there's something deep and important that I've never heard of when it comes to the real construction of the elite. And a lot of people do forget about some of the Italian families. They kind of gloss over that. Some people go from Egypt to Rome to Britain, to the United States, and there's just this huge chapter. I mean, not even factoring in the fact that that's just the story of the West, necessarily, which is only half the world, but then we have this big section of Italian banking families and elite that I think they still hold some strings to the modern world, and I like that you have them on there, but that's something that's often forgotten. Definitely. I mean, one of the other books that was a major factor in Well, I didn't actually read it again, but, you know, The Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fritz Springmeier is definitely one of the most important books around all these subjects. I watched a really long interview of him with Alex Jones that I felt like cued me into most of the most important information that's in that book. I think it's a little bit dry just reading about, you know, different family names. And I didn't want the Q-Web to also be just a list of every different secret society I could find, like every different powerful family I could find, because... 
I feel like that's how a lot of these webs get. I don't know if you've ever heard of the artist Mark Lombardi. No. But he was doing hand-drawn pieces of art that looked similar to this, actually. He did more of like a circular style layout. But, you know, he just threw all these names on his things, and it wasn't just looking at them. Well, first of all, you can't read them because they were huge. And any file you find online, it's like microscopic. You can't even read any of the text. But when I was at the Metropolitan Museum, the Brewer, in September, the QWeb was published in the exhibit catalog for this exhibit that came out called Everything is Connected. And they had some of Mark Lombardi's original pieces. So it was really great for me to see this artist who had done such similar work to me back in the 90s. And then he supposedly killed himself, was probably offed by the cabal. But, you know, his diagrams are really, really detailed and really well researched, but it's just kind of a whole slew of names and you don't really understand the connections quite as well. So I definitely didn't want the queue up to go to that. Like if I put a name, I wanted it to be either someone that everybody knew or everybody really should know or, you know, even gave like the description of why you should know them. So I didn't want to get too much into just like being a catalog of the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And this is just moving right along, man. And I wanted to kind of step back a little bit and just talk to you about how this QWeb going viral thing happened and how it's affected your life. I mean, I think this even touches on Comedy Central, this thing with the Met. I mean, what's the story of how this piece has moved from your desk to being a bit of a phenomenon? Well, so I first shared it on Facebook in the Destroying the Illusion group which actually Facebook groups over the past year have just made a huge <laughs> impact in my life and my experience of Facebook. You know, I mm -hmm. definitely encourage everyone, if you're on Facebook, don't let Zuckerberg just feed you what he wants on your newsfeed. You know, look into groups, find groups you're interested in. And that's where I think people should be mainly interacting on Facebook because it sort of removes Facebook's like filter algorithms that, you know, just steer you towards watching like cute animal videos and mm -hmm. dumb shit. So that's the first place I shared it. And then it went viral randomly on this blog called Through the Looking Glass, which is run by Michael Sean Brown out of Vegas. And I have no idea how this blog ended up getting so much traffic, but he basically had the QWeb as the first thing on his blog post. And then he had researched all different types of other diagrams similar, like power pyramids, layouts of the Freemasonic structure. He's, he had almost like 200 different diagrams of similar content conspiracy-related content or global power structure-related content, but the QWeb at the top. And so this blog post went ultra-viral as well. Like He was getting something like 10,000 hits, I don't know, of a day. Like <laughs> We talked, I think, before we went on about how we kind of lose track of how many like hits or like views we actually have because of so many different platforms. Mm -hmm. You know, I shared it on 4chan and Reddit, and I'm not very familiar with those platforms. I don't think they got too much traction the first time I shared them, but there's probably been shares of them on those platforms that I don't even know about that are going viral again. So then the first big thing where it broke into the mainstream was, like you said, the Comedy Central hit piece, where it was a 10-minute hit piece about QAnon, that at the very end, they had taken my QWeb and totally changed all the text on it so that I couldn't sue them, but presented it as a master conspiracy on the fringe of the dark web. <laughs> and wow. so that's actually that sentence that they used was actually where I got my new Instagram handle from master conspiracy, because <laughs> I liked it so much that I was like, hey, use the hit piece against them, you know, mm -hmm. then the Met, you know, I got contacted by the Met in the spring by the curator of that exhibit, everything is connected and said he wanted to publish it. 
he wanted it to be in the exhibit and wanted to do merch of it as well. And so the other curator didn't want it to be in the exhibit. And then the merch was moving ahead. The merch was like all ready to roll. And then in July, when the mainstream media released all those hit pieces on QAnon all in one day, the whole metropolitan design department sort of was like, wait, we can't do this merch. And so all the merch got canceled that week. Uh. But it was still published in the catalog, which was awesome. And I went to the exhibit opening. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are skeptical about the Met crowd and the high art crowd, especially with the whole spirit cooking stuff. But as an artist, I mean, that has to be a pretty big milestone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had never even been shown in a gallery before. I mean, I've done a lot of fashion shows when I worked in fashion, not my own fashion shows, but, you know, been involved with them. But since I, you know, decided to leave New York and switch into fine art, I had a really hard time. I mean, basically no success, like breaking into like the fine art gallery scene. And so this publication in the Met is really my first foray into the legit recognized fine art world. And, you know, I hope it won't be the last. Like, I definitely think it would be awesome to have these artworks eventually move into an actual brick and mortars gallery and do, you know, large scale paintings of them. I think it'd be awesome to do the Q-Web as like an engraving on a piece of marble, like really set it in stone for future generations once all this paper has disintegrated. A version of the Georgia Guidestones, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, maybe even engrave it on top of those <laughs> Georgia Guidestones. Bring a laser 3D printer. You can just like go in in the night and burn it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The technology is there. That's an idea for people out there. So... <laughs> That way, you know, we don't have to be attached to it. Yeah, it wasn't me. Like Shaggy said. So you mentioned, obviously, your time in the New York fashion industry. I was going to ask you about that. Seven years is a long time. Obviously, these conspiracy threads do run deep. Did you see anything in that microcosm that spoke to the big conspiracy? I wouldn't say so. You know, I did have to do some promotional items for Obama. I had to design a dress for Michelle that was gigantic. <laughs> mm. But... Did you leave a little room in the crotch? <laughs> well, it was a dress, so, you know, it's got room to hang. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but no, oh, nothing geez. really comes to mind that was specifically shady. I mean, you always wonder with the people on top, you know, how they really got there. I don't know how much I should say, but, you know, like at Derek Lamb, we had like a German CEO. And, you know, if you know about Project Paperclip, like not saying he was part of that. But when I was at the Met exhibit opening in September... The first person that spoke about it was German. I mean, I don't have anything against Germans, but it's just, you know, you get the paperclip vibe sometimes. <laughs> and you wonder where all the money's coming from, because, you know, in the fashion industry, you know, you don't make it unless Anna Wintour says you make it. So there's definitely like gatekeepers. And this is a really stupid reference. But if you've seen Zoolander 2, there's like a really creepy scene at the end where they're having literally an Illuminati sacrifice. And they've cast real fashion designers like Alexander Wang, Marc Jacobs. They brought these designers into the movie and, you know, they all participated in this scene. And it's just like, huh, <laughs> <laughs> like no one is thinking like this is kind of weird or fucked up. And it's all around like Will Ferrell, like sacrificing a child in the middle of like a circle. And <laughs> so, you know, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Like I was actually friends with a few of these people, but didn't ever get like too close. So. I don't know. I'm not going to drop any bombshells. Fair, fair enough. So, as I said, I'm not a huge fan of the Q stuff in particular and this being wrapped up in the Trump administration. But just to counterpoint my own position, 
you do have something on the Q web map at the bottom here where it features prominently executive order 122117. Can you tell people what that is? So that was an executive order, obviously, on December 21st, 2017, that declared a national emergency related to human rights abuse. And it said in the executive order that we're going to freeze the assets of anyone who is proven to be abusing human rights. And, you know, whether it's genuine or honestly going to try to do that or not is up for debate. But, you know, if you were going to try to go after the Illuminati, take down the cabal, this was like the executive order that's saying, like, we're coming after you. And just the timing, like with Q having started a few months prior, it really felt like the beginning of like a huge crackdown. And, you know, under Trump, I'm pretty sure, you know, you can never fully trust the news, but there has been a lot of reports about human trafficking rings being busted, like huge trafficking rings of like hundreds of people that you didn't really see these news reports coming out under previous administrations as much. So, you know, I'm hopeful that this is part of the takedown of the cabal, that we know they use human trafficking both as a form of blackmail and within their rituals, and they take certain substances. If your audience is familiar with adrenochrome, which is a chemical they get out of these human sacrifices to keep them young, give them a high off of these sacrifices. So it's all related. And even this border wall thing is related to the human trafficking, human rights abuse. So hopefully we do see a decline in that practice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I am open to it. And that's why I was like, hey, this executive order, knowing what it is about freezing those assets, it is kind of a laying of the groundwork. It's like before we take down an organization like, say, the Clinton Foundation, we have to have these kind of laws specifically on the books. You know, all the pieces have to be in a certain order. And so I'm open to it. I look at that kind of stuff. I also do like that I, I believe he opened up the industrial hemp market again after oh, yeah. 100 years. That was a huge breakthrough for us, especially for your channel. <laughs> well, I'm waiting on the other side of things. Like, I'm glad I can now make ropes, but, uh, you know, I like to smoke this stuff too. Well, that executive order, I think the most shocking thing about it was the fact that it really said this is a national emergency. And because it said it's a national emergency, I think that gave Trump war powers that, you know, let him do more with the military that he wouldn't normally be able to do, like maybe opened up the military tribunal options for these criminals. And, you know, it's on the queue of where it is, because that's sort of what happened like five days before I released it or whatever. You know, I released it January 1st, that was 21. So I don't know, I'm not doing the math right now. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> you know, just a week before I released it. So that was like, whoa, everything's syncing up right now with the timing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I also like the bottom left corner here where you have a small step pyramid with 2012 at the top of it and two divergent paths, one of the 5G kill grid versus the 5D quantum ascension. This is something that's been coming up more and more that maybe we are entering a part of the galaxy that emits a different type of energy that really could alter reality into some sort of ascension situation. And this angle that the elite are desperately trying to block out that energy and keep control, it's a compelling narrative to me. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Obviously, you included it. Yeah, 5G and 5D didn't used to be right next to each other on the Q-Web. And I realized that a little bit further into having after released it. And I was like, oh, it's really weird that we're both moving towards 5G kill grid and 5D 
quantum ascension supposedly at the same time. I mean, clearly 5G is going forward. <laughs> and, you know, I definitely think a lot of people are waking up. The Great Awakening is definitely happening. And I can even feel the energy of it, like especially after this conference I was at last weekend, that so many more people are opening up to this alternate reality that exists that's actually the real reality when really everyone's been living in the fake reality for the most of the 20th century, at least if they listen to the mainstream media. The 5G kill grid is one of my main beefs with Trump, that it seems like his administration is really going full steam ahead with rolling out this technology. And there are a lot of scientists that are saying that it's dangerous, you know, it's going to give everyone cancer, it's going to give everyone mental problems and can even like control people's minds theoretically. So that's one of the points where I'm like, I don't know if the tech industry is just more powerful than the president. And that's definitely a possibility. But an interesting thing that happened was this 5G summit at the White House last September. And it was during the Kavanaugh hearing when there was all that drama with woman Ford and, you know, so much bullshit in the media, which I sort of have a way of just tuning out, you know, whenever it's stories that I know are just distraction bullshit, I'm like, I don't even care. Right. You know, it is big who becomes Supreme Court. But when it's so much drama over like a high school party or whatever, I'm like, this is obviously a distraction. Mm -hmm. And the 5G summit was clearly what it was a distraction of. So that weekend, you had the Arch of Baal reproduction erected on the National Mall you had the Kavanaugh hearings going on, and you had the 5G summit happening at the White House. So it's a very interesting combination of events. You know, maybe the 5G is a way to repress the 5D, like these intergalactic or solar waves coming to Earth that are wanting to make our consciousness expand. Maybe the 5G is a way to keep it from expanding. Maybe they're building this 5G grid and maybe can eventually flip a switch so that the waves are not really harmful anymore and are actually maybe beneficial or useful. That's sort of my fantasy hope. Like, I don't exactly think that's going to happen, but I don't know. It's really scary that they're building this 5G grid and we don't really know what it's going to do to people's health. That's why part of the reason I left New York was to escape the ubiquitous cell phone towers everywhere. And even now in the suburbs of Cincinnati, I kind of want to move even further out to be in like no cell phone reception area, but I do still want to have the internet. <laughs> yeah, slippery slope indeed. So let's look at some other stuff. I do love the cult of Baal map, and I do want to ask you some questions about it, but you also sent me your healing web. And even though this is still a work in progress, I wanted to talk about it a bit because you can dig into the elite Saturnian death cults of history until you're blue in the face. And while it is good stuff to know about, I think we're at a point in the timeline where solutions should be the focus. You know, looking forward rather than looking back in a sense. Can you give us an overview of this piece and what your goals are with it? Yeah, so, you know, I have a lot of things planned, ideas in the works, and the healing web wasn't even one of them. But over Thanksgiving, I woke up one day and without even really thinking about it, I just went to my desk and did basically like a hand-drawn version of this healing web Bam. where we have big pharma on the left, holistic medicine on the right, and a big list of symptoms in the middle. And I'm still trying to figure out how to organize this. It's kind of at this point like a big twisted knot that I need to figure out how I'm going to have it make sense because I want to be able to tell people which big pharma remedies might actually be beneficial, which ones are most likely not going to work for you or like cause more side effects. It's a complicated situation. I mean, your question about how did I filter for the Q-Web 
and how did I make everything make sense? And I said it was easy. <laughs> yeah, it was easy for conspiracies. With the Healing Lab, it's very subjective. And I'm having a hard time trying to figure out which advice I really want to give people, which direction I want to send them in. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I didn't even realize like how much knowledge I actually had of both holistic medicine and big pharma before I did this. But, you know, I don't want to get into my own personal health history too much. But I had done basically a lot of research in the holistic area. You know, it started for like simple stuff like hair loss. I had that as an issue like from an early age and then have had a few more, you know, more serious things moving forward. And, you know, I'm actually just really paranoid of cancer. Like I just really want to be doing everything I can to prevent cancer. Like any little pain in my body or, you know, slight qualm with my health, I just assume I have cancer. So then, <laughs> then I go on like, you know, anti-cancer remedies even if I don't even really need them. But it's like, I just don't want to get to that point because I have an aversion for IVs and you know, I just basically never want to end up in the hospital for any reason. So <laughs> I did have a lot of research already on the health side of things. And one of the crazy things about this project is that, you know, as I start new endeavors, I'm finding that all this work I've done in the past that I didn't really know what it was for or where it was going, like I'm actually finding use for it. <laughs> and so that's definitely what's happened with the healing web is that, you know, all these things I've reached are so I'm like, oh, I finally have a way to share this with people and, you know, how it makes sense. So it's definitely coming along. Like there's going to be a section of like antique remedies, section of future remedies, section of suppressed remedies, a section of like the history of Western medicine, how we got to be where we are, which is basically the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and What's the third one? Well, it's not on the web yet, so I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to list all the government agencies that give people like really shit advice, like the American Heart Association, the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, the USDA, the revolving door between those agencies and Big Agra, Monsanto. So, you know, these corporate executives get a job in the government, change the laws so they can make more money in the private sector, then go back to the private sector and make the money. So yeah, our system is just so corrupt, it's not even funny. People don't see it this way, but it's really an ongoing genocide. I mean, almost at like Nazi Holocaust proportions with what's going on in the health industry. I mean, people do die, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, we would also be in a situation if nobody was dying and we were becoming more and more overpopulated. But, you know, we've got to figure out a better solution than just tricking people into killing themselves with shit food and cancer is just a horrible way to die like i don't want to die in a hospital connected to an iv from cancer so that's my main goal with the healing web for myself and for everyone else it's interesting that you say that about cancer of course it's a major factor in the world today and i also have i guess a bit of paranoia about it it's hard not to but i also feel quite confident that of all the conditions that are out there i've digested enough about suppressed cancer cures that I feel all right. I'd probably just go down to the Gerson Institute and start living on juice smoothies until I'm fixed and smoking weed and uh, doing the whole, well, I mean, you know, maybe I'm pretty guarded already. Maybe I developed that a uh, little bit of armor, but you know, the Rick Simpson oil type stuff. I don't know. I just feel like for a lot of conditions, that's an easy one to fix. It sounds crazy to say that, but I mean, there's got to be at least eight to 12 alternative cancer cures that have a really good track record. Yeah, I mean, there's really so many that the main problem is trying to decide which one or mm -hmm. to, to do all of them at the same time. I'm going to try coffee enemas last, probably. 
Yeah, I've done that before, and it's not fun. <laughs> That'll give you like the squirts for the rest of the day, but you know, it depends on the person. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot of options. But like the crazy thing is that you got to go to like Mexico or something to really do it. And like that's a big commitment, especially for someone that doesn't have a lot of money. I was in New York when I was like trying some of these cancer remedies. Like I didn't have cancer, but I was like assuming I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there's just not options in the United States. And one of the things I found since I started working on this healing web was an institute in, I think they have two in Mexico. Gerson, probably. Well, you know, that's a therapy. This was like a facility. Oh, And I found their website and it's like they did every different type of cancer therapy you can imagine all at this one facility. But it was in Mexico. And it's just like, why don't we have this in the USA? Like, it's so fucked up that like, I mean, Trump even did pass this like right to try act for people to try medicine for issues. But it's like, well, you have the right to try, but we don't have a single one of these like alternative clinics like in the united states so it's kind of bullshit individuals have the right to try but the medical side does not have the right to distribute (laughs) yeah like you have the right to go to mexico like thanks (laughs) Uh uh-huh i guess i take that for granted being 20 minutes from the border but it's uh, you're right it is a bigger deal for people in say ohio yeah or new york Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely want to get to the point where we have these options available to people in the United States. I think it's really part of the genocide that these are not available to people. Yeah. And I do like that you mentioned with this one that it came as a sort of flash of inspiration, which I think is how the best art comes into being. Uh, It's an interesting phenomenon that seems to occur across all parts of the creative spectrum. But on this particular piece... One area I found interesting, and of course you said it's a work in progress, but you have autism and it looks on the map to be linked with caffeine, tobacco, and high fructose corn syrup via the red line. Oh, you know what? That got messed up because (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out how to do the highlighting. Should that be addiction probably? Yeah, the red was attached to addiction. And then I I shifted everything up because I added another symptom. So yeah, it's really preliminary, (laughs) especially the color. That makes perfect sense because i was like oh i looked above and i'm like oh addiction yeah that would be caffeine tobacco high fructose corn syrup yeah but what is going to get confusing is a lot of the symptoms for example physical trauma if you go to the big pharma remedy for that you're going to get prescribed opiates and then that's going to lead back to addiction which is another symptom Mm -hmm. so the big pharma side of things is kind of going to end up being, I think, like circles leading back to the main column of symptoms, <laughs> whereas the holistic side, you actually end up curing and ending whatever issue you're going to have. Mm-hmm. I think people would be really shocked to discover how potent some of this stuff is. The propaganda is that all these natural remedies, yeah, that was the old mild, weak stuff. And now we got the chemicals that really do the job. And it's like, I I can think of several personal examples in my small circle of people who have ventured into holistic solutions to their problems. And it's pretty mind-blowing how quick and effective they really are. And why wouldn't they be? They come from the earth. These things like ginger even, so complex. Like we really haven't mapped out every single thing within the the soup in which a lot of these things that come from the earth are made up of. I mean, cannabis, for example, it's got so many cannabinoids that haven't even been cataloged and there's receptors for them in the brain. Well, this is probably pretty important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. One of my personal earliest revelations in terms of 
why hasn't Big Pharma told me about this before was in New York, every time I would get a cold, I would get a sinus infection. And like, I think I have a deviated septum. So I had been on antibiotics so many times for these sinus infections every time I got a cold. And then very late, like, you know, five or six years into living in New York, I found out about the neti pot, which is this nasal irrigation. If you've heard of it, you just basically put salt water in a little teapot and pour it through one side of the nose to the other. And I haven't had a sinus infection I've needed antibiotics for since. And it's just like, why didn't my doctors ever tell me about this simple solution instead of putting me on all these antibiotics over and over again? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it got to the point where, you know, if the antibiotics didn't work, I was going to have to have surgery on my nose. And it's just like, they're going to give me surgery before they tell me about literally like rinsing my nose with salt water. <laughs> so it's fucked up. And I heard about it from some random place. Definitely wasn't from the doctor. Mm -hmm. So I think this web is going to like blow people's mind if they have issues and they find this remedy that's the perfect holistic remedy that helps cure the issue so much better than the big pharma remedies that are on the table. Yeah, yeah, this is an important one. And just to touch on one other section, you mentioned hair loss earlier. Uh, I have a little bit of an interest in <laughs> correcting hair loss, I got to say. But obviously, we know the big pharma side. You got Rogaine, Propecia, hair transplant, these chemicals and surgical type things. But on the holistic side, you have something called He Shu Wu. What's that? So I've got to say, like, I've tried all the hair loss remedies and none of them worked. I think it is partially genetic, uh, <laughs> but it's also partially diet. But he show Wu is when I researched hair loss, one of the main herbs that's like a Chinese herb that Chinese people suggest for hair loss. So actually, I think the name of it actually means like black hair. It's definitely good for turning gray hair black again. So that's what Chinese people use it for. And it's supposed to be good for growing hair. But haven't found like the perfect remedy for hair loss yet. Still working on that one. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff to try. Definitely biotin. I need to add biotin, actually. That just helps hair grow faster. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I could really care less if my hair is seafoam green or pink. I just want it. <laughs> I could care less what color it is. But man, yeah, I just think that is a really interesting piece. I'm excited to see it complete. Hey, well... This has been a lot of fun, man. I am just really, really impressed with these pieces, these posters. Great, great stuff. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Obviously, we're throwing out a lot of stuff and just having a good time. But before we go, remind the people of your websites and just where you'd like to direct them. So the main website is deepstatemappingproject.com. We've got the free downloads there of all my diagrams, high res, which they're meant for eight and a half by 11, but they're high enough res. You could even blow them up even bigger if you wanted to. But I also sell the posters. You know, I would encourage you to get the posters to support the work. I'm kind of surviving on the bare minimum here because I'm working with the company that does the printing and the shipping and they're taking most of the cut right now. But yep. I'm working on actually making it more of like an independent business with stock. So right now it's all printed on Ooh. demand. But anyway, so yeah, support if you can. If you could support on Patreon as well, that'd be awesome. My main Instagram account is Master Conspiracy. Well, it's my only Instagram account. Definitely follow that because I've got all the memes that I do. It's like become such a huge part of my work is the memes. So I'm gaining followers there. It's been a big year of growth there in Instagram land. And then on Facebook, I have a group Deep State Mapping Project that's sort of the idea for that is to combine people's 
research efforts, share articles, you know, feed me information that will help me with these diagrams. And all those platforms will be like the first place to find information if I release something new or if I do an update. So these things are being updated pretty frequently. So definitely always check back to deepstatemappingproject.com to find the most updated file in the downloads there. And I also want to mention on deepstatemappingproject.com, in the info section, will lead you to specific pages I've created for these individual diagrams that contain reference images, like I said, for the Cult of Baal, the bibliography, it shows some of the development process. So, you know, I do still, the Washington Post still says the person who claims to have created the QAB, like, no, like, I have proof, like, I created this. <laughs> I have all the previous versions. So, yeah, you can just see the process, which I think a lot of people do find very interesting because, you know, everyone's first question is how long did it take you to make this? And then I think people are just overwhelmed a little bit, by like how anyone actually did make this and squeeze it all together. And you can kind of see the process that, you know, it started off really ugly and sloppy and then just got refined, refined, refined. And, you know, it's, you know, human did make this. <laughs> so, yeah, just check out the website, check out the info section. We've got posters, T-shirts. The website's looking good. Like people are really digging the products. Mm. Yes, you graciously do offer the PDF files to be downloaded for free. And then you sell the higher level merch that fans can purchase to actually support you. The shirts look great. And I'm definitely going to be picking up a couple of these posters. They need to be in my office for reference. I'm always trying to do these long, wordy introductions and go through these big series of groupings and i need something to look up at so i can just throw out some of those terms in my word soup you know so i i think it's great it really helps with dates is the main thing to remember the dates of different events or people's death whatnot and i just want to add in if you're going to download the pdfs um you know i definitely encourage people to print out as many copies as you want give them to your friends red pill people Print it out two-sided with the little essay on the back, and it shows the chronology of the timeline. And it's an ideal tool to red pill. It's kind of the whole premise of this entire diagram was red pilling the masses. <laughs> I agree. Let's put them all over. And start with the QAB. The Cult of Bill is like next level advanced. <laughs> yeah, that's a little deep. You don't want to break people's brain with that right off the bat. <laughs> exactly. And I even have a mini version of the QAB that's a five inch flyer that you print it out basically two to an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And that's even more ideal for red pilling people who are even less woke than to handle the QAB. Very cool, man. You've got multiple strategies of delivery and I love it. Good on you. Well, thanks for spending the time with me and keep using your talents for good. Stay out of that New York fashion scene and take care out there. <laughs> oh, I'm way out of it. I'll be good. And <laughs> In my bunker in Cincinnati, bunkered up. <laughs> Only way to be. All right. Well, thanks for having me. You got it. Take care. Cheers. Well, rock me like a hurricane, higher side chatters. Dylan Lewis Monroe, bringing the heat. <laughs> you know, I try to go to creative places to get interesting interviews. And so we did go off the beaten path a little bit today with this one. And really, the whole point of this episode is just to present you with Dylan's art. I found it that impressive. Check it out at the links in the show notes. Of course, the artwork image for this episode should give you an idea because it is a small portion of the QWeb map. And you know, I wasn't in love with the QAnon Association when I first heard about his work, but I'm glad that came up quickly in the show and we could move past it 
because again, 95% of this information is pre-Trump. So maybe let's not over-associate him with it. But we did mention that executive order on 12-21-17, freezing the assets of people involved with human trafficking, exactly five years after this great awakening from December 21st, 2012. Strange alignment there. Maybe the energy is changing. Maybe the space weather is ramping up. What do I know? But I was pretty sure this was going to be more of a grab bag conversation, a conspiracy Mad Libs, all over the place sort of show. I like that once in a while. And I thought some interesting ideas came up for sure. But Dylan is an artist more than a researcher. Of course, the worlds have to overlap a little bit when you're doing a project like this. But sometimes we're digging in deep for two hours on one subject or one event. And other times we're broadly discussing 5,000 years of death cult culture and the long-standing yokes of oppression and mind control. It is the nature of the game. And I know I will definitely be hanging Dylan's work in the THC studio somewhere. I really appreciate his time. And also big thanks to the folks who came out to Sam Tripoli's show at the Comedy Store this week where I was his guest. I have such a deep love and respect for the comedian subculture and the history that doing any sort of project in that building of the comedy store was really a bucket list item for me, I guess we could say. Really, really cool. Also in THC News Plus members might have noticed a disruption in the force this week, a little turbulence on the Plus site. And that was because we basically switched out the entire engine of the system. And while work was being done, some people noticed. And when we thought it was completely done, there were still some problems with everyone having access. But from what my people tell me now, we're 100% in the clear at this point. But if you do have a problem seeing the show, just log out or refresh and you should be fine. Obviously, any kind of infrastructural change is quite stressful, but it is just the way these things go. The subscription management software I was using is no longer being supported. WordPress went through a major update. We just needed something more current. This space has changed a lot in the four or five years that Plus has been around, and I think this change helps the user experience too. You can update your card change the terms of your subscription and all that self-maintenance stuff a lot better now on the My Account page. But it's better to get ahead of a problem rather than slowly watch the functionality break down and then go out and try to hire someone. Avoid those crisis points, right? I mean, that is what we're doing in many different ways around here. (laughs) This really is the test, though. Most Plus members don't really try to log in unless there is a new show. So I'll be monitoring this stuff all day, making sure we're good, since this is the first episode since the change. And that makes two in the bag for February. They couldn't be more different. The 9-11 criminal grand jury situation, a hyper-focused, specific kind of thing. And then this wide look at the big conspiracy timeline. And as I think I said on the air, this really struck a chord with me because it's something that I nearly tried to do myself. Well, with the help of an artist, Matt Robinson, who did a lot of the newer t-shirts for me. Some of the coolest art ever, really, like the education design and the Baphomet Templar shirt. 
and the J.P. Morgan team sinking the Titanic design. He has done some great, great stuff. And I thought, well, what if we made some epic, beautiful conspiracy timeline poster where you'd have branches breaking off and covering all the major conspiracy paranormal events in history? You could follow the track of UFO flaps with the other stuff. See Project Paperclip turn into MKUltra. Just see how a lot of these things flow together. How some of the big corporations ended up doing what they do now. See the rise and fall of different attacks on the people. Really, I just thought it could be amazing reference material, just like I've said about Dylan's work. Not so much a timeline, but right in a similar vein. And for me, the project just broke down because it's so hard to know what to include exactly. I mean, I was going to go and take false flags all the way back to 64 AD when Nero burned Rome. But then you get into events that have multiple takes. And if you include one, then you got to include the others. It's a difficult task when you really get into the details. And it's another reason the Q-Web and the cult of Ball Map are so impressive. I'm glad we got to talk about his healing web piece, too. It was a little clunky to talk about because it is an unfinished project. But subject-wise, I'm glad we got into it because, as I've said, I want to start looking at solutions and the real potency of nature that's been diminished and downplayed for as long as any of us have been here. So I hope you liked it. I have to give Dylan props for his model of letting you print the PDFs for free and then just selling higher quality versions of what he does, very much the THC model. Here's a free hour, no ads, no bullshit, and then you can get a more detailed and higher quality experience if you want to join Plus. It's the art world equivalent, the way I see it, so good on him for that. All right, but I guess in terms of updates, you got three more coming at you this month. Next week, we're going hard into the medical stuff, then deep into space weather, and then into... The spirituality, UFO experience overlap. That one's got some pretty wild details. But anyway, keeping it diverse, keeping it fresh. If you like the first hour today, join Plus. You can have everything set up to get the extended hours of the shows I just mentioned. Plus, in this one, we talked about the cult of Bail Map. Another major piece that Dylan has made. And with that came a lot of the occult ideas, things like consciousness transfer, DNA harvesting, and the Egyptian elite, mind control in the animal kingdom, different alien races and orb sightings, starship Athena and RH negative blood types, pyramid theories, and esoteric sciences. I mean, we really go for it. Either way, you know the deal by now. It's eight bucks a month. You get five extra hours of shows, the joint sessions, all the THC music, discounts on THC shirts, lifetime forum access, the full archive. It's like it never ends. (laughs) Hopefully you find it worth it. But either way, I will see you guys next time. Your move, interlocking agencies, overlapping organizations, and everyone involved with the tangled web that is the big conspiracy. Your fucking move. You know the plan has always been to hack your brain MK Ultra's trying to drive you insane And they'll explode your heart if they think that's what it takes You think I'm answering the phone, well I ain't 
You gotta keep the curtains drawn Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home Well, you're not You should tape the mail slot And baby, if I seem withdrawn Let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked Maybe you should know that The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become They want a pat down and a swap Don't you see what's going on? Well now you know You're better keeping on your own Cause you can see the masters lie too much Oh baby, you can only trust yourself And if you think the system's out of touch They'll suck out everything from you in the end And if for some reason you think I might be wrong I wonder where you got that opinion from You gotta keep the curtains drawn Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home Well, you're not, you should tape the mail slot And baby, if I seem withdrawn, let me say I just don't wanna go and get whacked Maybe you should know that The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become They want a pat down and a swap Don't you see what's going on? Well now you know You're better keeping on your own Cause you can see the masters lie too much trust yourself and if you think the system's out of touch it is and you can only trust yourself Maybe they aren't registering at all Now they know you're naive and vulnerable You won't believe all of the stunts that they'll pull Cause you can see the masters lie too much Oh baby, you can only trust yourself And if you think the system's out of touch It is and you can only trust yourself Cause you can see the masters lie too much Oh baby, you can only trust yourself And if you think the system's out of touch It is and you can only trust yourself